Now, you know what? You guys sound better than last time. Jenny, do you not have your AC on? Uh, yeah, I think my AC has stopped running momentarily because it's cool enough today. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It might. I'm hoping it doesn't kick in while we're talking, but. Uh, that could be inconvenient, but yeah, that's fine. And Niels, how are you? I'm I'm well, and uh, yourself? Just swell, just the swellest. <laughs> you also sound better. Hmm. Okay. okay, so I don't know what the deal is. Maybe we're just better sounding people today. We have grown. We have taken this time off to evolve as people into better sounding individuals. Is that what you were doing on Saturday when I was catching all those Charmanders? Yes. And actually what I did on Saturday was I slept too late because I had been up all night playing Baldur's Gate 3. And then I played some more Baldur's Gate 3. Ah, is that good? It's, yes, I have issues with it. It's not perfect, but it's mostly fun. Okay, tell us what your issues are. Well, okay, so for one thing, I think Larian forgot that the, like, when you make a companion in a video game, like, yes, it's good if they have a compelling storyline and, like, conflicts and relationships with other characters and stuff, but most importantly, they're, like, the player's friend group, and they should be Mm. fun to hang out with, like, even initially before they've gone through their story arc where they become better people or whatever okay yeah because they start you off they're like four like without getting into spoiler territory the four people you meet first one is kind of bland initially um and two are at each other's throats and like high drama i'm like okay i'm i'm done with that kind of dynamic in my life and then there's one who's who's fun and sassy, but also, like, kind of evil. And if you pick a... Uh, I, I actually did his first... The interaction where you meet him um, for the second time today, and it really cleared up why he greets you by holding a knife to your throat. Which is a thing that he'd become not clear because I chose to headbutt him <laughs> because he was holding a knife in my throat. And then it's kind of never explained that he thinks you're like mind controlled and trying to kill him. Oh. Yeah, which like huh. is a really glaring omission because we just kind of like patched it over. And I was like, okay, but I still don't understand why you were holding a knife to my throat. And now our entire relationship is just gonna be weird you know like when you miss somebody's name and then it becomes way too late for you to ask what their name is yes yes. yeah when someone holds a knife to your throat exactly Uh, (laughs) i hate when that happens (laughs) me too yeah yeah and then there's also like some 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 buggy flag stuff and some choices but yeah i don't i don't need to super go off in the weeds but well, thank you for going off in some weeds. Yeah, you're welcome. So. Do you, do you want to play 
one of my games. Mm-hmm. Sure. Were you planning on, were you going to, did you have a game in mind? Uh, no. Jenny? Uh, Ryan, I have not kept up on your output. <laughs> okay. I'm a, terrible, I'm a terrible person and also Patreon subscriber. So do you, you are have? a Patreon subscriber. I am a Patreon subscriber. You know how anyone else can become a Patreon subscriber? They just have to go to patreon.com slash rcveter and click on something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They probably will tell you what to click on. When yeah, I assume there. there's a large colorful button that says give Ryan okay. money. Yeah. Well, at this point in my life, mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> years old. and you know i moved to australia and i got married Mm -hmm. and it's you know as as a man looks back on his life Uh what he Uh wants to do is promote his current favorite series of games the little match girl series hey all right and um the thing is j mac and D or Doug or Oh yeah 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 Duggo Duggo Yeah No it has to be D Orl Doral Doral uh, tell um, tell Duggo his new name is Doral <laughs> They played Little Match Girl the first one uh they streamed it on YouTube uh, okay. not long ago and I feel like it would be redundant for to us to do play that one today Okay should we play the second one? I think we should play the second one. And this, right. uh, when you started talking about Mr. Baldur's Gate uh, <laughs> not explaining why he was had a knife to your throat. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that's a perfect segue into the way that I think about um, the Little Match Girl games. Mm. Which is, I don't feel like explaining everything to everybody in each game. <laughs> I feel like that's something you have to do in like a Hollywood movie or a network mm-hmm, TV mm-hmm, show mm-hmm. when you you need to include dullards in your audience. Yeah, yeah. But you're writing like a multi-work epic. I'm writing like a multi-work epic. Yeah. I'm writing for smart people mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. can deal with it if, they, if there's something that isn't immediately clear. Right, 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 right. You're not watching for the people who watch uh, season one of The Witcher and turn to their partners and go, what is happening? I don't understand anything. Um, I assume that that's, that's exactly like what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, do, do, do you know someone who <laughs> turned to their partner and said that? Um, I... Not necessarily, but I remember watching this going like, man, I am, I am glad that I am personally okay with trusting a storyteller that they will explain things later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's a combination of being smart enough to figure stuff out on the fly and being Mm -hmm, open minded mm -hmm. enough to when you see something that you don't understand you're not like well then i'm checking out Uh uh Um, and so i'm relying on both of you to have both of those qualities all right is there any 
Any knowledge that we need to take from the first Little Match Girl, which I think I did play when it first came out. This game actually has a recap. Great. At the beginning. Perfect. Which goes against everything that I was just saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, at the title screen, well, it's not really the title screen. It's the main menu because there is no title presented. It says type restore to resume a saved game or start to begin a new game. If it's been a while since you played the first Little Match Girl game, type recap. Recap. Okay, here we go. In The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen, a nameless little girl was forced by her cruel father to sell matches in the street in the horrible cold of New Year's Eve. On the verge of freezing to death, the little girl manifested an ability to travel through time and space whenever she looked at fire. This discovery led to her adoption by the renowned philanthropist Ebenezer Scrooge, who christened his new daughter Ebenezabeth. Since that fateful night, Ebenezabeth has learned to leverage these strange powers in her new occupation as a time-traveling assassin. Now you're up to speed. Okay, good. We're up to speed, Niels. Great. Then start, I guess. Start. (laughs) Or restore. It was winter again. No, don't restore anything. You'll screw us every time. Yeah, yeah. Look what you made me do. (laughs) It was winter again. And the good old city had again grown cold and dreary, and the white snow had been churned into muck beneath many boots and carriage wheels. The sky, so full of clouds, hung very low over the streets and was suffused with the yellow orange of a thousand burning lamps. A little girl walked beneath those lamps, stepping lightly over the mud puddles, carrying a revolver. And when she came to the doorway of a certain building, she stomped the snow from her boots and opened the door. The room inside was dark. Stairs. The little girl stood in a little room at the bottom of the stairs. The bustle of the city could still be heard outside, but she heeded it not. Can you hear that cat outside? I did. Yeah. Was that in the game? Nixie is not allowed in the (laughs) game. Okay. However, a whimpering of awakening. Sorry. A whimper of awakening rose out of the darkness, and then a little brown cat padded toward her, uttering a series of inquisitive mules. Nixie, you are in the game. Aww. Hi, Nixie. She can't hear you, Max. (laughs) (laughs) Try, (laughs) Umbrit. Oh, that was a command, right, Nils? No. Pet cat. Pet cat. She gave the cat a few gentle pets and scratches until the animal produced a noise that the little girl knew to mean, yes, that is sufficient. You may go about your own business until next I require you. All right. All right. Um, X me. The little girl's long flaxen hair hung in pretty curls round her throat. Her name, though it had been her name for barely a year, was Ebenezabeth Scrooge. That's a Geneva Convention violation right there. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I love it. But oh, the name, the, the name, name itself, the name itself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what about this is a Geneva Convention violation? The fact that it's been her name for barely... I think technically it's been her name for just under a year. Okay. Listen. She heeded not the bustle nor the hustle. Ah, inventory. She was carrying a revolver. X-revolver. 
The little girl carried a long, heavy revolver which had been manufactured in America. The steel was engraved with curling designs that looked like leaves or else like flames. It was engraved, too, with a message. For my friend Ebenezerbeth, Samuel Colt. Fun to learn more about how the little match girl got her Colt Patterson revolver, play the game How the Little Match Girl <laughs> Got Her Colt Patterson Revolver <laughs> and Talk of Her Two to a Goblin, <laughs> which is an interquell that is not part of the main sequence. I see. It's a Gaiden. It's a Gaiden. All quite. right. Love I have it. a very strong memory of you calling something a Gaiden on an episode of this podcast from like love years ago. Calling things a Gaiden. I mean, when they are, in fact, a Gaiden. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, look. Um. The little girl stood in a little room at the bottom of the stairs. The bustle could still be heard outside, but she heeded it not. The little girl's cat stood nearby. Okay. I'm trying to play with the cat or go upstairs. We don't have all the time in the world. All right, let's go upstairs. (laughs) Oh, geez, a lot of text. The girl took a step upon the first of the old stairs, and it creaked mightily, as it always did and always would. The sound could be heard throughout the building. From above came a voice, responding, "'Is that you, little girl?' "'It is me, Papa, as you well know,' the girl called out, and then she ascended the rest of the staircase, her little cat following silently. Uh, Apartment. I love this cat. Though the little girl's father was possessed of much wealth, the rooms his little family shared were by no means luxurious, for he had resolved to devote all but a fraction of his fortune to innumerable acts of philanthropy. However, he considered the adoption of this little girl to be one of these acts, and so felt entirely justified in lavishing as many favors upon her as the bounds of good sense would allow. At present, the little girl's father was seated at the small dining table, spreading his arms to present his daughter with a birthday cake. Happy birthday, the old man squealed, and the little girl beamed, for she well appreciated the warmth of a father's love. But still, she corrected him. Adoption day, she said softly, and her papa nodded and said, of course, of course. And then he remembered something. Before we can avail ourselves of this confection, there is some business you must attend to. Some visitors are waiting for you, he indicated the stairway. Up there. The little girl nodded. Oh, I love finding out what mysterious visitors want from me. Uh, it always we... works out great. <laughs> should we go right up? Or sure. I feel like I personally want to examine Ebenezer Scrooge because All right. he doesn't get enough airtime in this game. Let us examine him. He was an old man with a pointed nose and wiry chin. Many had observed that he better looked the part of the little girl's grandfather than her father, but the law does not allow for the direct adoption of a grandchild absent an intervening generation. Thus, legally and factually, Ebenezer Scrooge was the little girl's father. Okay. Can we look at the cake? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was quite an impressive cake, though. Oh, sorry. It was quite an impressive cake, though, in the French style, there wasn't much of it. Man, that's a thing that's not from America. (laughs) Smell cake. Ooh. Like any good little girl, she knew that it was impolite to smell. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. What if we try eating the cake rudely? She was quite tempted by her birthday cake. But her sense of duty overcame these temptations, reminding her that there was work to be done. I want to point out that birthday cake is spelled in a hyphenated fashion to be super Victorian. Yes. 
there were more hyphens available in Victorian times, and then they used Oh, them and more. a lot more semicolons. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If you could see how many semicolons were in this part. <laughs> I can't, this was commas, but I was reading Charles Dickens one time and counted the commas in a single sentence, and I think I got up to 13. Wow. I'm just going to quick search page for semicolons. Only eight so far. Only eight. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we don't have all the time in the world. No. Okay. Let's go upstairs. <laughs> okay. The little girl climbed up the stairs and her little cat followed. Roof. A blanket of snow lay over the roof and along the parapet where a group of sparrows perched, shivering impatiently. All around was the city, fading slowly from sight as the night deepened. And above was the dark sky. Examine the sky. Oh, sure. Oh, wait. I'm going to do sky first because I right. heard that one better. The sky was all one cloud, tinged orange by the lights of the city below, but still dark, apparently. And Nils, what did you want to do? Talk to sparrows. Okay. How do you do? The little girl asked. We are very cold, the eldest sparrow said bluntly. We have a job for you, little girl. Are you the little girl with whom we made our appointment, Ebenezer Scrooge? Yes, yes, then we have a job for you. There is a certain someone you must take care of. Ooh. Kill, kill, chirped one of the <laughs> The senior sparrow gave this upstart a reproving peck. Don't be crass. Take care of is how we put it. A certain someone, as I was saying, an old man, older even than I. Has this man a name? asked the little girl. Not a conventional name, no, but he is unmistakable. You will know him in an instant. He is so very old. His hair lies in a few wisps over his head like a cobweb. His face is furrowed with a thousand wrinkles. His teeth! His teeth! Yes, his teeth are only little yellow stumps. You will recognize him at once if he happens to smile at you. And you wish for me to take care of this man. Are you quite certain? asked the little girl. Yes, we have waited long enough. The business cannot be put off any longer. Too late! Too late! The incorrigible stip barrel wailed. No, not too late, said the little girl. Not if I get right to work. Then go, 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 go! All the younger sparrows began to chirp at once, and the elder was forced to peck all of them to make them quiet down. Yeah, isn't it when you're a time-traveling assassin, it's never too late because of the time-traveling part? Um, that is an excellent point, but it will get more complicated as we okay, go. Okay, I was hoping it would get more complicated. You can't just Z, 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 Z and wait for him to... Uh, you you can do that. Oh. I mean, I don't know what will happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this guy's going to die of old age pretty soon. <laughs> if we just Z long enough. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that because we don't have all the time in the world. Sure. So... How do we find this old man? Oh, I guess we should go downstairs. We should, uh, our birthday cake will have like a candle situation. And then when we look at a candle, we will travel through time. And Jenny. hopefully, yeah, hopefully I'm the game just... will take care of some stuff for us. Uh, my heart is so full huh. of appreciation for you remembering the conceit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's pretty high concept. It's, uh, it's. Not not too complicated. Apartment. The little girl's father sat at a small dining table upon which sat a handsome birthday cake. As the little girl entered, the old man was engaged in inserting a birthday hyphen candle into the center <laughs> of the cake. 
I'm afraid I overheard most of your discussion, he said, striking a match. As I understand, the mission is somewhat urgent. I'm afraid so, said the little girl. He nodded. Not to worry, we can start enjoying this cake as soon as you have returned. He brought the match against the candle, and presently a warm red flame rose from its wick. With this accomplished, the old man tossed the match out of the way somewhere. Okay, look at candle. Or examine hyphen. (laughs) (laughs) No, look at candle. The little girl leant over the candle, lent, I don't know, and its warm... Its warmth touched her cheeks, and its light filled her eyes. How they twinkled in that dim apartment, and how shadowy all the world around appeared compared against the light of this candle. The dining room, the building, and indeed all of London seemed to fade away. Hans Christian Andersen. In association with Inform 7 version 10.1.2 slash D. Corporal version 4.0.1. Yeah! Presents... A Ryan Veter production. <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Match Girl 2. Hey. Anus Evertens. Woo! What, what the, did you. Was that Latin? The, yes, it's Latin for okay. like the year that is out of joint. Oh. Or the year that overturns. I forget. All right, all right. Um, the background has turned like pale yellow and we're in Olympia, Greece street. At least it's nice and warm out a spring day, a gravel road flanked by olive trees. There's a tent set up in the middle of the street, but that doesn't seem to be a problem as there isn't any traffic. Sounds like all the action is east of here. Okay. Examine tent. The sides of the tent go all the way to the ground. Do those tent sides go all the way down? <laughs> you, you can't see me? what's going on inside, but it's pretty clear where the entrance is. All right. Uh, Should we ru- rudely barge in? Sure. That's what protagonists tend to do. Yeah. yeah. Tent. There's nobody here. The tent's drapery muffles all the sound outside. You are quite alone. A white dress is hanging from a rack. Oh, yeah, we probably need to change so we fit in to ancient Greece. Yeah. Okay, I'll Dawn put on the dress. dress. Oh, yeah, Don. Don, yeah. Uh, you change into the dress and tie the cord tight. The waist is very high, but it fits well enough. Okay. Can we check our okay, inventory? Okay, note to self, when, when I'm editing this, I need to go back and figure out a way to make a joke about draping a dress and Don Draper. Oh, I'll have I'll, I'll, when I'm doing the editing process. I have all the time in the world to come <laughs> up with a good joke, but not now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what next? What? I was wondering if our inventory had changed since oh. we yeah yeah a dress being worn. Oh, um, we have the dress and we still have the revolver. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, out in east, I guess. Okay. Uh, the Philippeon. A circular platform is raised above the gravel. On one side, there are still a few ionic columns standing, and the marble floor is still in evidence. Other than that, all the rem- all that remains of the monument are its rough stone foundations. A portable table is set up in the middle of the ruin. The path curls around the platform, leading east and west. A group of sullen young women are standing beneath what's left of the architrave. Okay. Ionic. Those are the scroll boys, right? Sure. And then the Doric are the chunky ones... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. And the Corinthians are the fruit boys. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. And an architrave is something else. It sure is. I didn't learn that. We just learned columns. (laughs) Columns and different kinds of chairs. Ebenezer knows more about (laughs) columns than I do. Yeah, that's that's fair. Victorians had to know all about columns. Hmm. So they could rip them off for their uh, architectural and furniture styles where they just mashed everything historically together in the most garish way possible. Jenny, we don't. Jenny. Yeah. Calm down. This isn't this isn't time for hot, hot takes about Victorian furniture. I just don't want you to like (laughs) I want your rants to be basically sedate. Oh, and okay. I could feel that you. I could feel you going off in a bad <laughs> there direction. Was two. <laughs> I can stop. I can stop. So there's some women. Can we examine the women? Yeah. All the girls are wearing long white dresses. Some of them look impatient. Some of them are merely bored. They all look like they'd rather be somewhere else. Talk to them. You ready to go? One of the women asks. She's a lot taller than you. I suppose so. You answer. Then let's get going, she cries. I wonder where we're going. Tell her to lead the way. (laughs) Tell her to lead the way. I didn't understand that sentence. Too many clauses. Uh, East then? (laughs) Okay. You start walking toward the temple to the east. The women fall into formation around you. You try your best to match their stride, if not their willowiness or their sudden stoic confidence. Temple of Hera. The procession of Vestal Virgins passes between giant crumbled columns out onto the dust. You hold your breath as you walk. You try to look taller. The Vestal Virgins find their places in an arc around the great altar. Then the high priestess arrives, walking slowly, solemnly toward the altar. She stops next to a metal bowl, a parabolic mirror. A silver torch lies in the dust nearby. She raises her arms. Sacred silence. Let the sky, the earth, the seas, and the wind sound. Mountains fall silent. Sounds and birdsong cease. For Phoebus, the light-bearer king, shall keep us company. Apollo, she cries. The Vestals kneel. God of the sun and the idea of light, send your rays and light the sacred torch for the hospitable Sydney... (laughs) For the hospitable city of Sydney. (laughs) <laughs> the high priestess takes a few steps around the mirror, looking each of the vestals in the eye. She stares at you for a long moment. Then she kneels next to the mirror and lifts the torch, raising its tip into the center of the parabolic mirror. A cloud passes in front of the sun. The high priestess holds her elegant and uncomfortable pose, stretching her arm out to keep the torch safely in the mirror's focal point. The birds start to chirp again. You can't keep kneeling much longer. The high priestess stands and all the vestal vestal virgins stand with her. It's not going to happen, she says. Do we have the backup flame? It's in the... I'll go get it, said one long-legged virgin who begins power walking away. The vestal next to you sighs and turns to you with a shrug. That's going to take a while, she says. You might as well stretch your legs some. Glancing around for a place to stretch your legs some, you notice a path leading south. Oh. Stretch legs. Stretch legs. That's not a verb I recognize. Boo. Oh, man, who Boo. wrote this game? 
An idiot. <laughs> so, are we to assume the little match girl speaks ancient Greek? Well, what we've found... When she went to Atlantis that one time, she spoke just fine to the Atlanteans. When she okay. went to Japan that one time, she spoke just fine to the Japanese people. Okay. I think that she she seems to speak the local language just fine. That is so convenient. That's so good. I know, right? Because I've been studying Japanese for like, I don't know, probably 11 years total, and I'm still very bad at it. Hmm. However, if the little match girl travels using her power to Japan, and then she, like, walks to Korea or something. Oh, she doesn't speak Korean? I think that's how it works. That is fascinating. So she just needs to use her power to travel to a language academy. Ooh. Yeah. And then she would speak language academies. Yes. What happens if she travels to Switzerland or another country that has oh, yeah. multiple languages? Does she? Yeah. Well, maybe it would be she just speaks fine with whoever's nearby. Or okay. it could be like if she travels, whoever is closest, she like gets their language information immediately from the babblefish. I don't know. Uh, uh. We'll find out. Okay. Also, I think I think we've just agreed to let it slide the idea that she's going to walk from Japan to Korea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's the ocean walker. Oh, wow. She is so powerful. That's not really one of her powers. That's <laughs> one of the episodes of Arrested Development. Oh. Which one was that? That's cool. the one where he almost marries Rita. Oh. And that's like the only um, episode I've seen. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're missing out. I know. I've seen the whole show like five times or something. Uh, Wasn't I saying that about something else recently? I think so. Oh, in a different podcast, I said that I saw the Blues Brothers five times. Oh, okay. For a total of ten things. <laughs> Half so of anyway, what will Ebenezerbeth... What? What? Uh, will Ebenezerbeth <laughs> do now? Walk, walk, walk south? Okay, walk south. Oh, it's the Pelopion. All that remains of the Pelopion are a few low stones overgrown by unkept grass. The Temple of Hera is north from here. The Temple of Zeus is further south. My headcanon is that the game just said, oh, it's the Pelopion. <laughs> Except maybe It that... remains to be seen whether the narrator of these games is Ryan <laughs> or if it's Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. <laughs> Examine uh... Temple of Zeus. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to see it from here because of how space works. You'll have to walk all the way over to the temple. So I did implement it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great it's okay I, just, I really enjoy when you put in the work to implement a thing specifically to explain to the player that the thing is not implemented mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. it's the same joke over and over again and I know, the joke is I that know. I'm being lazy but if Jenny likes it then it's okay <laughs> I'll keep doing it so I think funny. I had one of those yeah. I guess we'll go south. 
Temple of Zeus. Toppled pillars litter the earth like boulders strewn by a massive earthquake. The steps leading up to the temple are crumbled and uneven. There are outlines where walls and rows of columns once stood, suggesting a grand chamber like a cathedral, but the center of the temple is empty. There is an interpretive placard here. Read, Read placard. The drawings of the temple's original appearance make it look more or less like any other Greek temple. See, it's not... We're not in ancient Greece, Jenny. Oh. Well, I missed that part. We're in normal Greece. Okay. Are we in Victorian Greece? No. um, What year were the Sydney Olympics? Uh. I think 2000. Okay, yeah. I was going to say 2004, but then I realized I wasn't basing that on, like, anything. (laughs) So it's gratifying that we're only four years apart. Well, this is the torchlighting ceremony for those Olympics. Okay. A dazzling luminance fills the air. You stagger, propping yourself up on the interpretive placard. Slowly, the light coalesces into the shape of a human. No, not a human, it bellows, but a divinity. Little girl, you stand before Zeus Olympios, king of all the gods. His radiance abates enough for you to look directly at him. He smiles smugly down at you. Okay, look at Zeus. Zeus is a muscular gentleman with a long, curly beard. He's even taller than the High Priestess. Golly. (laughs) Jeepers. Pray to Zeus. Pray to Zeus. I only understood you as far as wanting to pray. 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 You turn over the mission in your mind and hope God will agree that your actions are necessary. And this is an important thing that Ebenezer prays to... Judeo Christian God, even though she has met Zeus in person. Right. Like he's literally right here. Yeah. Yeah. A it's trifle like, disrespectful, one might say. It's like being on a date and calling your ex right mm. in front of your date. Or it might be like being propositioned by an unwelcome suitor and oh. calling your current partner. That's true. That's true. It's definitely like seeing one person or entity and referring to a separate entity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Distinct from the one who's right there. Anyway, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Talk to Zeus. Okay. Jesus, a lot of text. You step forward. It's a pleasure to meet you, Zeus. My name is Ebenezer. I am well aware, little girl. My brother, Poseidon the Earthshaker, has told me of your exploits. That is very flattering. Flattery! Ha! I have not descended to the plane of base matter that I may engage in paltry human niceties. I am here to wreak revenge upon my brother, Poseidon the Horse Tamer, by impeding the labors of his champion. Who is that, you ask? Zeus snorts. A storm rumbles in the distance. Feign not your human naivete, little girl. In deep Atlantis and on high Mount Olympus, it is known by all that dark-haired Poseidon has named Ebenezer Scrooge his champion in the mortal realm. I'm sorry, sir, I wasn't informed of this. (laughs) It matters not what you were informed of. My sole concern is my brother's vexation. Already this is accomplished. He raises his palms to the heavens. I have set my cloud in the sky, obscuring the sun, preventing the lighting of the Olympic torch. Without its fire, you cannot continue on your journey. Your dismal failure will reflect poorly on your patron, my arrogant brother, Poseidon, god of the sea. When you return to your master, tell him that I, Zeus, god of thunder, have bested him again. 
his huge mouth erupts in ear-splitting guffaws, and he disappears in a flash of lightning. Well, that was rude. What a jerk. Yeah. I don't think Thank I like Zeus. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to perform that out loud. <laughs> it was very good. Because I've always been very proud of certain sentences in there. And I, I feel like my sole concern is my brother's vexation is a perfect mm-hmm. sentence. And I almost wonder if I heard it somewhere else. That's and how... stole it. Yeah. It's something like that, like uh, describing a town in the Midwest as being the nexus of affordability and culture. And I'm like, I cannot have invented mm. that sentence. I must have heard that somewhere. And then I tried to find where I heard it and I can't. Huh. Yeah. But it's not possible that we're actually good at our jobs, right? No, no. <laughs> so there must be some other explanation. Yes. Huh. Okay, what next? Yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> that Zeus is a dick. What was around here? Uh, pillars? Just pillars. There's Big another temple. Yeah. The column section dimly resembled giant stone gears half buried oh. in the dust. Interesting. Uh, let's go back to the other temple and hope they found their backup torch. Okay. Yeah, see, there's a bunch more text here. Temple of Hera. Giant crumbled columns, blah, blah, blah. One of the vestals glances toward the Philippion and her eyes light up. Hey, here she comes. The long-legged virgin from before is power walking back across the Temple of Hera, carefully carrying a brass bowl containing a flickering candle. Her co-workers erupt in cheers of relief. She kneels next to the parabolic mirror. The high priestess stands over her and raises her torch to the sky. Apollo, she cries. God of the sun and the idea of light, send your rays and light the sacred torch for the hospitable city, sit, hospitable city of Sydney. Now, when she said this in real life, she said it in Greek, so it was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Also, she probably practiced. Yeah. One of the other vessels whispers to you, we lit the backup plane flame with the mirror yesterday, so it still counts <laughs> as being lit by the sun, I guess. The high priestess lowers the torch toward the bowl. It ignites with an impressive crackle. She raises it again to the sky. And thou, Zeus, give peace to all peoples on earth and wreath the winners of the sacred race. The long-legged virgin hurries off to return the backup flame. Someone else is coming. A man in shorts and tennis shoes approaches. He kneels before the high priestess, raising a torch made of plastic and aluminum. The high priestess smiles and lowers her torch to light his. Go, she says, and bring victory. The man rises and starts jogging away. Okay, so this is like a situation where we're uh, jumping from universe to universe and we need to look into this flame, too? Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right, well, let's do that, then. You've cut to the quick of the premise, my dear. You look up at the torch. Its flames will travel a long way to Guam, to New Zealand, to Alice Springs, Townsville, and you are traveling, too, along the ribbon of time. You are no longer in Olympia. Now you are in Celavice. Spelled C-E-L space A-V-I-Z-Z-E. Okay. Dust. The background is red now. You stand in a field of dust surrounded by crimson fog. Nearby is a massive pillar. Now you see more pillars stretching out in all directions, rising into the red mist. You think you can make out vague shapes to the southwest. I 
love vague shapes. Mm-hmm. Let's examine the vague shapes. Yeah. So They're over there. to the southwest. <laughs> you have to go there. All right, fine. <laughs> Let's examine the pillars instead. Okay. There seem to be dozens of the towers standing silently in the dust. Fine, southwest. Okay. Field. Long rows of black mirrors, photovoltaic cells. Most of the panels are cracked or warped. Rough trails lead, uh-oh, northeast, southeast, and west through the dust. Oh, no. There's no way you're going to keep all these directions straight in your head. You're screwed. No, yeah, so many of them are, uh, what are the diagonals called? Just diagonal? Uh, we, we call them ordinal directions. Ordinals. I think that's not a real thing. I think yeah. someone, possibly this podcast, came up with that. Came up with it. So let's see. So northeast was where we came from. There's also, I think, southeast and west. Yep. Okay. And was that it? That is it. All right. I like west. Okay. Overlook. The scene is be- the scene below is barely visible through the fog. A huge wall stretches across the width of a canyon. It's a dam. One side is meant to be a reservoir, but there is no reservoir, no river. No water. The canyon is empty on both sides. The trail goes east and southeast. Southeast? Unless you want to climb down. Jenny, do you want to climb down? Well, I mean, if you're going to say it like that, let's climb down. (laughs) Okay, climb down. Climb down. You must name something more substantial. Things you're trying to climb the direction of down. How about Um, about just down? down? Yeah. Yeah. The trail goes east and southeast. <laughs> well, why did you even posit an alternative, Ryan? <laughs> to try and make Niels feel like he had some agency oh, okay. for a brief time. Okay. Well, that's polite of you. Let's go southeast. Okay. Facility. The city is mostly rubble, but this one building remains more or less intact. The dust-choked street turns nor- from northwest to east. Some uh, building? Only the word facility hangs over the double doors. If there were another word at some point, it's gone now. Why okay. did you write that, Ryan? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Enter Terrible. facility. A rusty trash can stands near the entrance. Let's oh, oh, facility. rusty trash can. Okay. The doors won't open. Well, that's good because we need to uh, loot this trash can. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there's a hamburger in there. Open the trash <laughs> I can. eat it immediately. Like the John can Bioshock. and its lid are almost fused together by rust. Wow. You keep pulling until it finally opens with such violent force as to knock you backward and make the ancient receptacle clatter noisily <laughs> on the concrete. Concrete. Ow! A voice exclaims from inside the trash can. Oh. You lean over to look inside. At the bottom of the can is a grimy cyber skull. It looks back up at you. <gasps> Hey there, little girl. Could you help me get out of here? Could you get yes. me? Yeah, could you get me out of here? So you pick it up. You don't even get a choice. Yes, I didn't want That's a choice. Because character, character Ebenezer always will pick up Cyber Skull to be nice. Yes, absolutely. I've been playing a little bit of Planescape Torment to get ready for Baldur's Gate. Mm. Uh, talking, talking skull, and that is pretty fun. Yeah, well, this one has that skull beat definitely. All right. Talk this cyber skull talk, talk to talk to cyber skull to cyber skull <laughs> it's important to be polite you ask the cyber skull what is your name 
in life, I was called Jackson, it says. That's spelled J-A-S-X-O-N. Okay. Jackson. The components of its skull... Oh, sorry. The components of its jaw scrape against each other, producing little sparks. Nowadays, no name. What about you? Ebenezabeth. The skull makes an impressed clicking noise. And now you you should feel free to pronounce Jackson however you want, because I, I have never decided the correct way. It doesn't matter because it's not anybody's name. Yeah. Which is good, because it's very hard to get your head around how to pronounce it. Jess. Jesson. Or maybe Jaskson. Jaskson. Skull. What'd you say? I said I'll just call it Skull. Oh, yeah, Skull. Perfect. Well, if you try to refer to it as Jackson, then it says that's not allowed. That's not his name. (laughs) It's not his name. It's his literal dead name. Possibly. Huh. Is this cyber skull dead? That's a great question. Ugh. Examine skull. Yeah, let's look at this skull. It's covered in circuits and gadgets of unknown names and functions. The original skull beneath these enhancements appears to be more or less human. Okay. The game only does talk to and not ask. And Basically, yeah. Wrong. yeah. Okay. However, this cyber skull has a cool feature that lets you get more out of it than oh. that. Is it... I will explain to save time. Right. When you examine stuff around here... The cyber skull will comment on it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. Does what's his face planescape skull do that? Um, some sometimes, but what's only that skull's in, like, name again? Mort. Mort, of course. Yeah. Only when he's he's scripted to comment on things. Well, this one is also exactly like that. Yeah, it is exactly. For like example, that. let's examine the facility. Let's do it. It's it, if there were another word at some point, it's gone now. Yeah, and if there were if there were anything else that isn't here now, it's gone now. <laughs> what <a stupid> sentence. <laughs> I thought that was maybe the cyber skull saying that. Ah, uh, that would make more sense. This yeah. was the city's fossilization facility. The cyber skull explains. Ah. A lot of brave people walk through those doors. Selfless people, not me though. What do you mean? You ask. It sighs. We were desperate, see. The whole planet was. We needed a source of energy. You have to understand, we tried everything else first, but nothing worked. You get it? You nodded hesitantly, and this goal continues. So we finally resorted to human fossilization. <laughs> we turned each other into fuel, and we didn't force anybody into it. That's the thing. There were plenty of volunteers. They sacrificed themselves so that the rest of the world could continue on. It sighs. But it wasn't enough, or it was too late, or, well, just look around. It didn't work. The world ended anyway. Yeah. So we're in the distant future. Yes. Year 2000. <laughs> so human beings will really fossilize themselves instead of uh, getting away from the use of fossil fuels, huh? Oh, Jenny, you haven't ena- uh, examined <laughs> enough things. Oh, man. You don't know what's going on in Chalavice. Okay. Well, that's exciting. I also Let don't. I know see. what else is there to look at. I know Ciel is sky. I don't know Avice. Um, it's supposed to be, um, kind of corrupted Italian for withered sky. Nice. Very nice. Thank yeah. you. I know. Um, <laughs> if you look, then the cyber skull says, "Check out those ruins." I don't know what 
ruins he's talking about, but I'm going to okay, do what yeah, let's tells me to do. Check out those ruins. The buildings seem to have fallen over from sheer exhaustion. This is what remains of the mighty city Chelavice, says the Cyberskull. It was never that nice a place, to be honest. So I recommend going back All right. so that the Cyberskull can have you look at more things. If this yes. is just the podcast where we have... we Yeah, I, I'm down for that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go northeast back to the Overlook. The Cyberskull tries to look get a look at the gashes in the canyon. Mm. Um, let's look at the canyon first and okay. f- see if we can figure out what gashes there are in the first place. Yeah. The canyon walls are decorated with sinuous striations carved by fast-flowing water over millions of years, but the pa- patterns are marred by more recent markings. Giant gashes. Claw marks. The Cyberskull gazes over the scene longingly. I remember when there was a river here, actually. I was just a little kid back then. It sighs and sparks shoot out of its mouth. I still had skin. That's rough. Uh, so let's look at those gashes. Let's look at those gashes. The tracks of a gigantic beast. Oh, yeah, says the cyber skull. Make sure you watch out for wanderers. Oh, I really wish Ask was implemented now because I want to ask him about wanderers. <laughs> I, I might be for Wanderers has a capital W, but I think I might have... Yeah. D- just this once had a thing where you can ask the cyber skull about wanderers. Uh, oh, but you have to spell skull correctly. Hold on. No, you can't. Uh, maybe if oh. I X gashes again. You ask the cyber skull about the wanderers, but it refuses to elaborate. Oh, man. I'm going to look at the dam, okay? Oh, yeah, look at the dam. The wall is hundreds of feet tall. Maybe a mile across. Machines cover its surface like patches of lichen. Hydroelectric power, the cyber skull sneers. You know how the water cycle works? It flows out to the ocean, then it evaporates, then it rains down so it can flow out to the ocean again. But guess what? If there's no sun, nothing evaporates, so it stops raining, so the stops so river stops flowing, so the dam stops working. That it makes grinds sense. its teeth, producing a shower of sparks. Examine sky. The mist seems to possess its own faint luminance, suffusing the world with a dull, feeble warmth. What other nouns are around? Uh, here, I think we've done all the nouns. Yeah. Cause... Okay. Oh, oh, look at those distant machines, says the oh. Cyberskull. Oh, okay. yes, the machines. <laughs> Thanks, Cyberskull. The machines are shrouded by the omnipresent red fog. I think those doodads are what turned the water into electricity, the skull explains. Well, let's go back to the field where there were photovoltaic cells. The cyber skull seems very interested in the cables, which, again, have not been mentioned. Well, if the cables have been mentioned, we better look at them. I guess now they've been mentioned. Let's look at cables. (laughs) You try and follow one of the cables through the dust briefly before dismissing the errand as pointless. Yeah, don't bother, says the cyber skull. Okay, I won't. Thanks. Are we still wearing the Dress from ancient Greece. Oh, Modern. Yeah. We are indeed. We are carrying a cyber skull, a dress, and a revolver. All right. But the dress is being worn. All right. Uh, we can look at the photovoltaic cells. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the, this is important. The solar cells are pointed up into a sunless sky. Some have been smashed. Others seem to have partially melted. Each glass presents the same reflection of nothing at all. A withered cable protrudes from beneath each unit. The cyber skull shakes its head sadly. Figure out how that works. <laughs> they called it renewable energy, you know? They said it'll last forever. 
but that's not how it works. Furious sparks erupt from its mouth. There are laws of thermodynamics. Nothing is free. If you keep using the sun's energy, eventually you use it all up, and now there is no sun. How long did it last, you ask? I don't know exactly when this renewable energy thing started, the cyber skull chuckles. I'm not quite as old as I look, you know. But this right here is the year 3030 AD. I'm really not sure that's how it works, but <laughs> in, the, in the spirit of the Little Match Girl series, I'm going to suspend my disbelief. Did we, we never, there's still another direction off the field, right? South Southeast? South yeah. Yeah, southeast. Monument. Oh, sorry. And before we get to the monument, mm. there's a interroom thing. Oh. A huge Tyrannosaurus emerges from the mist. Its Neat. jaws. Oh, it's only a statue. Oh. Monument. A statue <laughs> of a T Rex stands on a basalt pedestal posed in a triumphant roar. In front of the dinosaur is a black brazier. There seem to be things west and northwest from here. Check out that statue, the Cyber Skull says. Check out statue. Of course, uh, that doesn't work because checkout is not implemented. <laughs> uh, but check is. So it thought I was trying to check the direction of outside, which no, thank you. Statue. The statue is recognizable at a glance, but when you get a good look, you see it doesn't quite resemble the real thing in all the wrong ways. The cyber skull looks up at the beast and whistles, spitting out a shower of sparks. Whistle. Whistle. Calum noctis in tenebris, astra et astra et luna. Hug Tyrannosaurus. Hug Tyrannosaurus. Not interested. What? Uh, you want to climb it? Yeah. Of course. You scramble up onto the back of the T-Rex. This brings back some memories. But you can't see anything useful from up here, so you shimmy back down. Okay. I guess we should look at the uh, razor. Okay. A broad, flat pan sits atop a plinth of black marble. Inside is a puddle of brownish liquid. Affixed to the plinth is a plaque. And now, in cool, special font, it says, This brazier shall forever burn in honor of the dinosaurs. Oh, oh man. That's depressing. The greatest creatures ever to walk the earth, the cyber skull buzzes reverently. The human race was like a pile of wet puppies in comparison. And the stuff the mammals did accomplish, they never could have done without fossil fuels. So if you think about it, dinosaur worship is really the only religion that makes sense. A few skull sparks fly out of the skull's mouth. Oh, is this a... Supposed to use the skull sparking to light the fire? That's a good idea. What were you saying, Jenny? I was just wondering if this game was sponsored by, like, Exxon... <laughs> no, it's sponsored by you specifically, Jenny. Oh, me. That's right. Niels, I are you a patron here? I forget. Uh, I am now. I don't know okay. if I was when this game came out. But... Oh, okay. So you can't personally claim responsibility for this propaganda, but Jenny can. I can. Credits. Boy. Credits. <laughs> the Little Match Girl 2 by Hans Christian Andersen was written in 2020 as a Patreon-exclusive game. That's why it's 30-30 in Celevice to be, like, the next one up from 2020. It's publicly available here, but as of 2022, contributors to the Ryan Veter Patreon at patreon.com slash rcveter have exclusive access to The Little Match Girl 3 and, assuming it's finished by now, The Little Match Girl 4. That's true. It is finished by now, but it will be in IF Comp, so don't nice. rush to... 
uh, pledge to the Ryan Veter Patreon when you can just play it in IF Comp later. Big ups to everybody who tested this game. Testers include Zach, Carl over Hifthammer, Jason Love, Sarah Wilson. Okay, have fun. The Patreon Patreoners are not listed in credits here because they're in the actual credits at the end of the game. Oh, which okay. we will get to in about six hours. Yay! <laughs> uh, drink liquid. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's drink the liquid. That's not for you to drink. That, yeah, no, I know. Swim. Put skull in... No. <laughs> put skull. You put the cyber skull on the brazier. Talk to the skull. Talk. Hey, thanks for lugging me around, says the cyber skull. I didn't realize how bored I was. As it speaks, its cybernetic enhancements grind against each other, shooting sparks through the air. One of the sparks lands in the dark liquid. There's a flash of light, and now the cyber skull is on fire, bright flames looking at its circuitry. Wow, it says. First time that's happened. <laughs> Should we go ahead and look at the fire, or is there anything else we want to do? I forget if something happens while you talk to the skull. Mm. Talk to skull while Let's it's on it. fire. Yeah. You ask the cyber skull if it's okay. It chortles. I sure seem to be. You ain't got to worry about me, Ebenezer. You seem to me like the type of gal who's got plenty to worry about. That is so true. Thank you for being understanding about this. About our setting. I type in fine. thank you. It says you're welcome. Aww. In parentheses. That's Ryan Veter talking to you. <laughs> uh, what did you say, Nils? No, I, I was commenting that it was oh. nice that we just set it on fire and it was... <laughs> <laughs> so look at flame, I guess. I guess. The cyber skull notices you looking. I'm fine, it says. I've survived worse. I think we have to say that the skull is not technically dead and... The reason this is important is because I have to decide what creature types to give it if oh. I ever get around to making the Little Match Girl living card game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I am thinking about all the time. Okay. But you're focusing on the fire, bright and red and hot. The heat fills your senses. Now the cyber skull is gone, but the flames are all around you. You feel yourself discorporate, becoming one with the fire. Then the fire subsides and you are inside the terrible dogfish. Oh, wow. Oh, the background is purple. A cavern of flesh ringed with rows of teeth. It is wet in here and dark. Your footing is uncertain. You notice that you are standing on a tongue. Something is swaying back in the for and forth in the air, glistening like a ghost. Can we camp out on how good a sentence you notice you are standing on a tongue is? I guess, yeah. It's a good sentence. Niels, do you have anything nice to say to me about my sentence? That is a, a nice sentence. <laughs> Thank you. Lick tongue. <laughs> Lick tongue. The tongue is so wide and so long as to resemble a country road, except that it is pink and spongy and keeps twitching underfoot. Did we try licking it? Oh yeah, let's lick the tongue. Jeez, Jenny. Not much to be gained by that. Uh. I mean, it would be meta. You weirdo. <laughs> yes, it's very meta to lick a tongue. Was that one of the 200 Pokemon that you caught? Lick a tongue? Yes. Nice, nice. I might have been. Nice. They seem to be out again. Man, I worked at a, I worked at a place that was so far out in the country that we only got like a bell sprout every hour. Mm. Sad. 
Well, and it still sucks in some places, but it is better in other places. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, like the the people making the games are kind of like if you if you live out in the middle of nowhere where there isn't anything the game isn't for you yep yep that's your problem you should have made different life choices yeah or you should like play other games oh that's true you do have options of other games which is a life choice i guess yeah i guess Uh, maybe we can explain everything away with life choices life choices hmm the more you know. Okay, what do you do in the mouth? Boy, so many things. Make a different life choice. Jenny. <laughs> that, I mean, that only has to be as filthy as you make it. No. Yes. No. <laughs> okay. Well, you can edit it out. Um, well, but it's not explicit enough to edit out. Oh. There isn't a tag on iTunes for just gross. There, the tag specifically <laughs> says explicit. Uh, well, then they can't demonetize me for saying it. Oh, imagine if YouTube, uh, if iTunes tried to demonetize Try to me. Try to demonetize, I know, right? Give uh, it your best shot, iTunes. <laughs> Come for me. Uh, what do we do in the mouth, Nils? What all was in here? There was a... A tonsil? Got, uh, there's no tonsil. There's Definitely teeth. tongue. Teeth. There's a tongue. And there's something swaying back and forth in the air, glistening like a ghost. Oh, I oh right. That was a tonsil. Examine ghost-like thing. When your eyes adjust, you understand what it is you're looking at. This is the creature's uvula. Oh. Which I don't think is the same thing as a tonsil. I think they're I similar but different. They're both way back there. The dark yeah. passageway underneath is its throat. Uh, punch uvula. Punch, punch uvula. That doesn't seem like a great idea. Okay. Well, that was my one idea. Is it messed up that punch uvula made me think of Parappa the Rappa? <laughs> like the only context I have for punching is... Is Parappa the Rappa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick, punch, you all remember. Chop chops back again, yes, forever. Keep going. Uh, you have many challenges coming at you. First is a fire. Don't retire now. Oh no, man. This is all um jammer lammy. I actually never played oh. Parappa, but I played so much um jammer lammy. Yeah, you seem like an um jammer lammy person. I, to yeah, me. whatever that means, I own it because yes. And I was, I used to be really good at the level where you're taking care of the babies. And it's just like hit triangle and then circle like as fast as possible. But if you get the right rhythm, then you get the cool points. And I used Mm. to be so good at it. And I tried replaying it a few years ago and was just garbage and was like, okay, I might as well just lie down in the dust and expire. Okay. Lie down in the dust. I didn't understand that. <laughs> that's, 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 that's not a verb I recognize. Can we go down the throat? Enter a throat. All right. Stomach. A wrecked, shale- sail- a wrecked sailing ship is smashed against one side of the terrible dogfish. It's immense oh, stomach. The organ is large enough to accommodate two or three more such vessels. In the middle of the chamber, on the high ground, between puddles of acid, is a little table set for dinner. An old man sits on one side. <gasps> Opposite him is a wooden puppet. 
Do you think this is the old man we're supposed to murder? Could be. I hope so. (laughs) Certainly save time. Let's look at the old man. All right. A bunch of text. A little old man with thick glasses. He looks a little younger than your papa, but you aren't the best judge of these things. Well, that's not good. No. (laughs) If this is your mission, Ebenezer. Yeah. For dinner, he is having a tiny piece of cheese. Good evening, you say. Is it evening? Asks the old man. He rubs his eyes, drags his hands over his face. I have utterly lost track of time. My father has been trapped in the terrible dogfish's stomach for two years, the marionette explains. How awful! You begin wringing your hands involuntarily. Something about this scene is very upsetting to you. Please let me know if I can help. My name is Ebenezer. The old man looks up in sudden alarm. Goodness, where are our manners? My name is Geppetto. It is a pleasure to meet you, Ebenezer. This... My, my son is called Pinocchio. I built him myself. The puppet executes a little bow. Okay. Explaining that this is Geppetto and Pinocchio is almost <laughs> as egregious to me as explaining that if there was another word on that sign, it's not there now. <laughs> Here I am talking about not wanting did to you, insult your intelligence. Uh, did you did you have some weird beta test results that made you feel like this was necessary? Could be. I don't know. Get ready for a scene in Little Match Girl 4, which does the same thing, but not in this over-explaining way. Okay. And you're just expected to know what's going on. I invite everybody to play the Little Match Girl 4 and all the other Little Match Girl games, including this one, the Little Match Girl 2, right now. Even while you're listening to this podcast... You can be sitting there smug that you're doing so much better a job at playing the Little Match Girl 2. You could. You could. Indeed. You could. But I also invite you, Jenny and Niels, to play this yeah. game. Yeah. I'm trying to... Is there something we can do for Geppetto and Pinocchio? Uh, let me look again. Um, this is messed up. The... the room description is not mentioning one of the exits um there are there's a sailing ship here and there is a table uh where geppetto and pinocchio are sitting and there's another exit that i guess we have to look at something else in order to see it or talk to these people again or something i hope this game is beatable (laughs) i hope so too examine cheese (laughs) yes yeah okay the hunk of cheese is not only tiny, but ancient. It barely qualifies as food, much less as a meal. Oh, no. Smell of cheese. It's, oh, it says no thanks. But you should know, Niels, it's impolite to smell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard that before, yes. Little, little girls do know. <laughs> or it's impolite for, you know that it's Not impolite for little girls to smell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't actually want to do this, but... Okay, well, look at the ship first. It says, though though obviously no longer seaworthy, the ship is still more or less in one piece, and you could easily climb inside to have a look around. Jenny, what do you not want to do? I don't want to eat this cheese for multiple reasons. But I do want to... Okay, then don't. Okay. That was easy. Thanks, Ryan. You'd just be stealing it from these starving people. I know, right? That's one of the reasons that I didn't want to do it. Right. So yeah. Don't. Okay. All right. Uh, we don't even need to talk about this any longer. I was just assuming that it would tell me I was much too polite. 
I wonder what happens if I try to eat the cheese. Yeah. It's not yours. All right. It doesn't look that appetizing anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. I wonder if that's good writing to... I'm going down a rabbit hole trying mm. to fix myself. This is a good um, rabbit hole for this podcast. To, to, does the response really need it doesn't look that appetizing anyway? Like, uh, is that accomplishing anything? Hmm. I mean, that's... Is there a player that's likely to not have had that thought? Because I feel like you do a good job of selling this cheese as unappetizing. Yeah. Although maybe if you hadn't examined the cheese, if you're just immediately, oh, this man's eating cheese. That is my cheese. Now eat. Yeah. And then the response, but then the response, it's not yours by itself. That gets the character across just fine. Yeah. And you don't need an additional justification to the player to like Mm -hmm. overrule the character yeah. I mean, anyway go inside the ship okay there's a slippery slope where where all failure messages could just be like no <laughs> well no <nope. laughs> it depends on what you're trying to accomplish yeah the the failure message should tell the player what they need to do and what oh they absolutely need to know. yeah five thousand percent and it should also yeah. be funny if yeah. you're trying to be funny but it doesn't look that appetizing anyway, isn't funny, and it's not character, and it's not actually necessary for, like, logic reasons. So, cut so it. Cut it. All right. On the cutting room Shipwreck. floor. All right. The ship's interior is a briar patch of splintered planks dripping with viscous digestive enzymes. Neat. A crate, a barrel, and an iron-bound chest are all close at hand, all undamaged. They must have been protected by the surrounding hull and bulkheads. Outside is the terrible dogfish's stomach. Open chest. Uh. Open chest. You open the chest, revealing a rapier and an oilskin journal. Oh, heck yeah. Take all from chest. From chest. Um, Okay. So when you take up the rapier, it stops you. There is some other stuff we need to do first. Oh, okay, okay. Now it is time to allocate your ability points. You have 12 points and you can use them to improve any of seven different stats. Health is how much damage you can take before you die. By default, you have three health. Each point you put in this skill will give you three more health. Did I say by default you have three? You have 10 by default and each point you spend will give you three more attack determines how much damage you deal with physical attacks by default your attack is five defense reduces the damage you take from physical attacks by defense this is two magic determines how much damage you deal with spells you don't know any spells by default your magic is one resistance reduces the amount of damage you take from spells by default your resistance is three speed determines the order in which combatants take their turns the combatant with the highest speed goes first by default your speed is four skill determines the likelihood of your attack being a critical hit you have skill in 10 chance chance it says chance twice of scoring a critical critical hit which deals three times the damage of a normal hit calculated after de- applying defense or resistance by default your skill is one what stat would you like to increase first oil skin journal please choose a skill to increase uh do you have a preference skills <laughs> not really no <laughs> uh well, we don't know well since we don't have magic. time to learn by failing, I'll right. tell you the secrets. Okay. Uh, obviously, magic is useless. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's not immediately obvious, but speed is also useless. Oh, okay. Which one is not useless? 
Um, health, attack, defense, resistance, and skill isn't really necessary. Okay. Well, the best defense is a good offense. Okay. So let's do attack. Attack. Okay. So you have 11 points left. Okay. I'm going to spare the listener a bit. <laughs> Defense. I forgot resistance. that we had 12 of these. Yeah. Defense. Attack. Resistance. Health. Health. That should be fine. Defense. Attack. Resistance. Defense. Okay, that's it. Okay. Okay. Thanks for doing that for us, Ryan. That should be fine. Yeah, that's. I mean, it would be fun if you were actually typing and looking at the screen and yeah, not yeah, hearing it read out loud. I assure you that you will have fun when you play the Little Match Girl Two Anus Evertens. And uh, so now you. Oh, so now we can take the Oskin Journal. Okay. I took it for you. Read Let's it. read it. Read it. A book bound in rugged black leather, tied shut with a little strap. Of course, you have to open book before you read it read it oh it's a special font it's a handwriting font the inside of the cover reads the diary of captain lily cassidy smuggler lover polymath you turn to the first page dear diary you were a birthday gift from my current boyfriend the lamentably romantic arthur rose i laugh as i write down his name ha 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 arthur believes that we are soulmates destined to sail beyond the sky at the edge of the sea and into the empyrean ocean of stars to kiss and fondle each other for eternity arthur you stupid moron you have not yeah. learned of life as i have life at sea a life beset by storms and krakens in which any moment of languid frenching could be your last i have frenched the mouths of a hundred boink buddies arthur and i will french a hundred more if Poseidon wills it. No, I will not be your bride, but I will accept this cute journal you have gifted me. Dear diary. Sorry, I got distracted. (laughs) Anyway, today is my birthday. I am (laughs) years old. My favorite color is reddish brown. My favorite pen is this one I'm writing with right now. My favorite food is laudanum. I will write in you more later. There's more on the next page. My favorite food is laudanum. Incredible. I love this. I love this too. Can we read more? Or Yeah! The diary goes on. Dear diary, it turns out that I do appreciate Arthur's deep and sincere love for me because without it, he never would have jumped in front of that assegai. That's why I am alive and free to swap spit with whichever of my crewmen I so choose. As a woman in the mid-19th century... Oh, that might have been retconned. I think she's from the mid-18th century. Uh, as a woman uh, a woman in the, a position of authority specifically a woman who loves having casual sex with my subordinates I am keenly aware of the issue of power dynamics and consent etc etc that my behavior entails I think about this stuff all the time diary I'm a very thoughtful person generally and I feel like the more you think the better you get at thinking if you think enough eventually you will be right about everything I would say that I am getting very close to this goal of course everybody believes that they are right about everything because believing something is logically identical to believing that you're right Right about about that belief of course reasonable and intelligent people will also respect the possibility that they could be wrong but even more reasonable and intelligent people that will understand that the more reasonable and intelligent you get, the better handle you'll have on whether your beliefs are correct. I figured all this out a long time ago, Diary, but I never had the time or space to write it down. Until now. Thanks, Diary. There's more on the next page. 
Wow. I can't argue with any of her reasoning. Take your hands <laughs> When you say that, it's like you, you're trying to say that you want to disagree with something she said. And you're trying to find a hole in it. Yeah. Because I, I enjoy her a lot, but I also think her, uh, her cavalier attitude about Arthur is distasteful. So I'm inclined to dislike her, which makes me not want to agree with her opinions, which I realize is a flaw in my own logic. Ah, so you're acting just like Lily. Exactly. Yeah. So you do agree with her. You know, I quit going to therapy, and I'm thinking I might need to go back just to is have a place Captain to Captain Lily Cassidy this. going to drag you back to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why I subscribed to your Patreon, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Please subscribe to my Patreon instead of giving your money to a therapist. Yeah. I'm not saying this to you, Jenny, but to everybody listening yeah, to this podcast. It's much less expensive. And I am smarter than your therapist. Is there more journal? Oh, baby, there's more. <laughs> Dear Diary, today we are sailing into the sea known to be inhabited by a creature known as the Terrible Dogfish. A dogfish is, of course, a type of shark. This shark is said to be impossibly huge. I have heard that it is a mile long, not including its tail. To me, this seems like a suspicious claim. Most of the time, with real things in terms of size, there's a sort of bell curve where most things of a type are medium-sized, and larger or smaller specimens are rarer in proportion to their deviance from the norm. But the curve is smooth, is the main thing. You have all the intervening gradations between the normal thing and the huge or tiny thing. Now, in my experience, most sharks are about three or four feet long, and then you have Big ones that get up to like 10 feet long, and in very rare circumstances, you see a 20-foot shark that luckily eats both your boyfriends before they find out about each other. But that's the upper limit, again, in my experience at least. But based on that experience, the notion of a shark that is a mile long is very tough to swallow. Usually, when I say this kind of thing, I follow it up with, but I'm glad to be proven wrong so that I don't look arrogant. In this case, though, I would really prefer to be correct. There's more on the next page. Oh, I got some bad news for you, Lily. <laughs> yeah let's keep more. keep reading <laughs> dear diary i shouldn't have said anything it turns out that there that the terrible dogfish is completely real and it is completely a mile long <laughs> we have been invading it for so far by making really tight turns that the terrible dogfish can't follow but that doesn't give us much of an edge i've asked the crew to suggest other tricks if other tricks if they can think of any but they've been really busy invading the terrible dogfish sure. sorry diary but i need to use you as a brainstorming tool for just a second idea page trick dogfish with fake ship make ship fly detach rear portion of ship lizard with tail that falls off <laughs> cover ship in unappetizing substance Ooh. and then there's another bullet point with nothing after it like I hit. I made the little tick before I came up with another idea. There's more on the next page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this game is too long. Dear diary, <laughs> I tried to find an unappetizing substance to cover the ship in, but we're not smuggling anything gross at the moment, so we're basically just wearing ourselves out trying to keep away from the terrible dogfish. It's not going well. I can see a lot of my crew are losing their enthusiasm. I can't blame them. The task I have set for them is clearly futile. I failed to present my employees with attainable goals. That's on me. The <laughs> ship is slowing down and the terrible dogfish is catching up. I guess we should get ready for this. Yeah, it slurped us up and we're inside its jaws now. The ship is getting beat up pretty bad. 
Now it's swallowing us. The throat muscles are contracting to force us down into its belly, and in the process, they're squeezing the ship violently. A lot of the guys are crying. You're not being very cool, guys. Now we're in the stomach. I guess we live here now. There's more on the next page. She's, um, she's, she's yes? a very bad girl boss. Um, is she? I mean, she's a very good way? example of a girl boss. In the standard okay. usage of girl boss. Yes, I love her. Is the standard usage of girl boss connected with a negative or positive connotation or just... Uh, being girl boss i've se- i've seen it so it it started as a positive like aspirational thing at least in the circles in which i look at the internet it started sure, as sure, a, sure. A, a a an aspiration all of this is mediated by jenny's context and her <laughs> experience uh, yes more so than that's true for more most people because i realized the other day i primarily operate on vibes oh yeah. okay so, um, but yeah, so in the corners of the internet. Your therapist didn't have to tell you that? Uh, my therapist didn't really So it started out as positive. It started out as positive, And then it, uh, I think there was a backlash against the, the, the sheer amount of hashtaggery associated mm. with girl boss. So now it's, it's uh, kind of, so a definition of a girl boss in the current negative usage would be like Gwyneth Paltrow of Goop. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then, is your opinion of Captain Lily Cassidy at this point positive (laughs) or negative? I love her. I think she's an amazing character, and I would never want to work on her pirate ship. Why not? Because she would not care if I died. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll read the next page. The diary goes on. Dear diary, the crew is blaming me for this admittedly very bad situation of being trapped in the belly of a humongous shark. I admit that I failed to save us from the shark when it did show up, but I don't want to take responsibility for encountering the shark in the first place because, like I explained earlier, it really didn't seem realistic that the terrible dogfish would actually exist. It was totally reasonable of me, is my contention, to act as if the terrible dogfish was just a myth, which is to say it would have been unreasonable of me to believe in the terrible dogfish because it was such an unlikely story. This is a case where acting reasonably has had negative effects, but I still believe that I made the right choice. A lot of the crew guys don't see it that way. (laughs) Many people have this problem where they think that if you make a decision and something bad happens, then you made the wrong decision, regardless of the basis on which you made the decision originally. There's probably a name for that. Anyway, if we stay here too much longer, then we will starve to death. There's more on the next page. Yeah. The diary goes on. Dear diary, some of these crew guys bought up the idea of resorting to cannibalism really fast. Oh. There's more on the next page. All right. (laughs) Dear diary. Luckily, nobody had to eat each other. One of the non-creepy crew guys, Ebrahim something, came up with the idea to sneak out of the terrible dogfish and escape. It was a really good plan. I wasn't all that attracted to Ebrahim before, but he has moved to the top of my list. The plan worked perfectly, and we have escaped the terrible dogfish. I'm leaving this journal inside the wreckage inside the terrible dogfish's stomach, so that hopefully my words can bring solace to anyone who meets a similar fate. There's more on the next page. Uh, Okay. Dear Diary. Now we are in Morocco. We unloaded all that stuff we were smuggling. Because Ibrahim's plan was so good, we didn't have to leave any of our cargo inside the terrible dogfish. Some of our clients were mad about the delay, but there's nothing I can do about that. People are always going to be mad at you for some reason or another, Diary. Eventually, you just have to stop caring. 
I hooked up with Ibrahim a couple times, but that got old fast. It turns out Ibrahim is a very intellectual person, and I do not find that attractive. Hold on a second. Don't I consider myself a very intellectual person? Do the qualities I think of positive... I think of as positive about myself strike me as negative when I see them in other people? Is that a double standard? Gosh. This is giving me a lot to think about, Diary. It is fortunate that I am very, very good at thinking. There's more on the next page. <laughs> how? <laughs> but alright, but how? Dear Diary, it has now been six months since I abandoned you inside the terrible dogfish. I'm afraid I've been very busy. I can be brutally honest with you, Diary. I have no use for you anymore. You met a need of mine, and I don't have that need anymore, so I can stop including you in my life. It would be heartless of me to treat a person in this way, but you are a diary, not a person. You don't have feelings. You're just a book. So I won't feel guilty when I decide that I will never even think about you ever again. Sincerely, Captain Lily Cassidy. There are maybe 50 more pages, but they're all blank. That's an incredible gag. Think. Oh, think? Think. You take a moment to reflect. Okay. Well, that helped. And if you type that 500 times, then Ebenezer gets really smart. <laughs> Ryan, have you written a, a Gaiden game where you play as uh, Captain Lily Cassidy? Um, no, but I think she's going to show up in another Little Match Girl game. Don't worry. I love her. Yeah, me too. But I, I, I swear, if I look at the official <laughs> timeline, hold on. She's not supposed to be for the 19th century. There's two timeline documents. Two? Wow. I mean, I guess it is a time uh, yeah. travel series. There's there's the objective timeline and there's Ebenezer with the subjective. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, officially she's from the mid-18th century. So that was just a... What do you call a typo when it's with a pen? A pen po. Okay. <laughs> Say it out loud. It's fun. <laughs> I, I always, I'm worried that it's going to ruin it for me. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to ruin Penpo. Uh, okay. Okay. Penpo. Oh! <laughs> Isn't it good? It's as good as it sounds. <laughs> I don't want to waste it, though. I know. Gonna, Let's use it sparingly. keep that in my back pocket. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so we got the sword. We got our stats. We got the... Best part of the game is behind us. Okay. Um, I don't think that accomplished anything for us uh, mechanically or current narratively, but I loved it. No, it was fun. And uh, there's a crate and a barrel in here. Okay. It is supposed to be fun. Yeah. You joyless, skeletal fun haters. You're supposed (laughs) to be having fun. Uh, Examine crate. The wooden box measures about three feet on each side. The lid is closed. Open crate. Of course. The lid is nailed down and you can't pull it off without some sort of leverage. Oh no. Use rapier. Well, not use, Um, but... Open crate with... That isn't going to give you the right leverage. Is this the barrel or the... The crate. Crate we're looking. Then let's look at the... Of course. It's a very sturdy looking thing and too heavy to lift. It's closed. Well, let's open open it. (laughs) The cask, or hogshead, or whatever it is, is jammed shut, and you can't pull the top off with your bare hands. Can we open this barrel barrel with the rapier? (laughs) Ah. 
That isn't going to give you the right leverage. Oh, man. Shoot. Oh, I can try kicking it. Uh, kick. Oh, I tried. I typed in kicking barrel. <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem like a great idea. I don't know why that is. What? Uh, but I'll shoot the barrel. Oh, yeah. The problem with that idea is that if your shot pierced any of the terrible dogfish's internal organs, which it easily could, the oh. terrible dogfish might die with you inside it, and that would be undesirably messy. Also, the dogfish could spring a leak, and you might drown. Well, both of those things sound bad. See, another thing where the blocking response doesn't need to go on that long about why not. You know, and I... the other thing is, Ebenezer like her, the character is she doesn't want to solve problems with violence if she can avoid it that's and true so that is true she, like she doesn't want to hurt the do- terrible dogfish res- regardless of what might happen to her yeah yeah actually yeah yeah that wouldn't be her primary but concern i wrote part of this before i knew Ebenezer's character yeah, so intimately yeah, that and happens. before i knew what century lily cassidy was from <laughs> I, I just remembered reading uh, a, a piece, somebody writing about how if you can present people with more than one thing, even if they're both true, and it's important for them to understand the nuance and like that they have a choice, you should still never ever do it because nobody can comprehend more than one thing at a time. As Can you give me an example? Yes. Emily Short had one about trying to solicit donations to a food pantry and uh, learning learning that if she sent out a list of like, well, here's like the five things we need most for the food pantry, they would get way fewer donations than if, if she sent out a, a mailer that was like, we need canned fish. We literally just need canned fish. Anyone with canned fish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I. I hope that I can internalize that. Yeah, it it's to manipulate hard. people. Yeah, I, I have started <laughs> internalizing it. Not so much to manipulate people, but just to try to maintain some level of mutual understanding, man. Because nobody reads anything. That's the thing you learn when what you you're text doing games. is still manipulating people. That's true. But they should read things. Nobody reads they anything. Should. It's upsetting. Anyway. Yeah. Well. Why read when you can listen to? Indeed. Ooh, on a podcast. Niels, what do you think we should listen to next? Yes. In terms of me typing something. Yeah. Uh, so there's a crate and barrel here? Yes. Yeah. We need more leverage to open both of them, apparently. Is there anything else we haven't looked at yet? Uh, in here, there's digestive enzymes. Those aren't going to help you. I mean, not these digestive enzymes. And not for yeah. opening a crate and or a barrel. I'm not going to read the response to looking at the enzymes. Sure. It's not interesting enough. It would be a waste of time. <laughs> It would take less time than I'm taking to explain why I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. But this time it's in service of a joke. Okay. okay. I'm going to go outside. Pinocchio's yes. nose to oh, crowbar boy. open. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. Let's look at look at Pinocchio. But I'm going to... Oh, you know what I did in this game? Mm. 
is I included as synonyms for Pinocchio any oh. way I could think of to spell his name because I defy you to spell it correctly on your first try. Uh, P-I-N-O-C-C-H-I-O? Uh, <laughs> a well-made marionette wearing a pointed cap. You can't see any strings attached to him, but he seems to be moving around quite well regardless, and we'll talk to him. And he says, who do you mean, Geppetto or Pinocchio? <laughs> <laughs> you ask Pinocchio how you can help. I have few needs being made of wood, but my father must have something to eat or else he'll surely starve. We think there may be more supplies farther down inside the terrible dogfish. He gestures across the stomach toward the duodenum. I would go look myself, but there's a ghastly monster living down there. The horrible fluke worm. It would smash me to splinters if I gave it half the chance. I'm sure you could overpower it, though. Yeah. You notice his nose getting longer as he utters this last uh, sentence. Well, screw you, Pinocchio. We just allocated our ability points and are ready for combat. Indeed. So should we enter the duodenum? Yes, please. Now I invite our fans to email me rcveter at me.com and tell me whether I'm pronouncing that correctly. You climb down through the slippery duodenum into the spiral valve. The intestine of the terrible dogfish is a helical tube or spiral valve which maximizes the surface area for the absorption of nutrients and minimizes the ease with which you can actually move around in here. You can head back to the stomach through the duodenum. Oh, the duodenum is probably a door object in, in Form 7, isn't it? That's oh. fun. There's a crowbar lodged in the villi up ahead. Perfect. That's convenient. It sure is. We're probably going to get jumped when we take it, but let's take it. Let's take the crowbar and get jumped. While you're crawling toward the crowbar, something else is crawling noisily up the intestine, squelching and grunting. Around the bend comes the horrible fluke worm, an eyeless, limbless beast the size of a buffalo. It screeches at you. Screech back. Um, the response to Screech uh, is folded in with responses to scream and yell and wail oh, and stuff. Okay. And it says, if it's too scary, you can always try a different game. <laughs> Zizzy. Zizzy. I also picked Zizzy. It's a tie. So it's zero to one to zero. Okay. I guess Plow and Plover are the... Uh, yeah, let's try Plover. I also picked Plu, so it's that's a draw. Zero to two to zero. Plover? It's not always a draw. I don't know why it's <laughs> doing this. Plover. I also picked Plover, so that's a tie. What the heck? Yeah, Did I that, code this incorrectly? Is that actually random? or? No, if I tried Zizzy, it says, I picked Plu, so I win. Zero okay, to three to okay. one. Phew. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes? You used that joke in several recent games. I've used that in several recently. My goal is to make this rock, paper, scissors game seem interesting at first, but then be clearly boring enough that you want to get back to the stuff I actually worked hard on. So it's a way of manipulating people. But all game design is about manipulating people. And arguably all human interaction is about manipulating people. So true. Manipulating them into understanding each other better and having happier lives. Or manipulating them into being ground beneath your heel. Okay. Anyway, such as it is, let's continue this let's game. Attack the Little Match Girl 2, Anis yeah. Avertens by Hans Christian Andersen. Attack 
lukeworm. So you guys um, are missing the music for this part, but oh, I'll edit no. it into the podcast. You yes. get ready to attack. The horrible flukeworm rams into you. You take zero damage. Oh, your defense must be really high. Uh, you thrust your weapon into the moist flesh of the horrible flukeworm, and it takes five damage. Nice. So I guess we attack the fluke yeah, worm again. That's, it's to the death now. Um, the fluke worm screeches so loud that your brain hurts. Oh, wow. <laughs> you take zero damage. You slice. You take you deal five damage. This music is really good. Um, the disgusting beast wraps around you, dealing zero damage. You slash across what you believe to be the fluke worm's next neck. Dealing five damage, the fluke worm utters one last scream before it explodes into a shower of dripping worm chunks. You have triumphed. Nice. But then you notice your rapier. The worm's corrosive fluids have all but devoured its blade. You toss it aside. Sometimes it feels like every victory only opens the door to new disappointments. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Gotta, gotta tell my therapist about that one. That hit something. <sighs> if we type about, do we get an explanation of the combat system or no? no. Um, <laughs> about is just the same as credits from before. Okay. Well then, get crowbar, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I will enter the duodenum again. And then, uh, what do you want to do? Open crate and barrel. Um, you open the crate, look in crate. Inside the crate are a pair of leather boots, a waterproof match, and a ball of yarn. Oh yeah, I think we're going to need all of that. Okay, take all from crate. You got it. Perfect. Uh, well, it's... Yeah. Open the barrel. Open the barrel. Open barrel, yeah. You jam the crowbar up about take open. Look in the barrel. In the barrel is some salt pork. Huh. Let's give Maybe. it to Chapito. Yeah. <laughs> okay, take salt pork. You can't really do more than glance at the pork without gagging. Maybe you could just tell the guys outside that there's food in here. Good plan. Good plan. Okay, let's do that. Talk to guys. Uh, talk to... Geppetto. You let Pinocchio and Geppetto know about the salt pork you found. They both clap their hands joyfully. Now I won't have to starve, Geppetto cries. And I won't have to be an orphan, says Pinocchio. Oh, and the blue-haired wow. fairy won't hold me responsible for my father's death. Wow. You tell them exactly where in the shipwreck the barrel of salt pork is so you won't feel obligated to go get it for them. I'm glad we're every once in a while doing a thing so that we don't feel obligated. Because <laughs> I feel like we're, uh, we're 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 taking a lot of responsibility unto ourselves. Yeah, that's Ebenezer's problem. Yeah. Should we examine the stuff we our loot, uh, the boots, straight and yeah. What was yeah, let's look at the boots. Exactly the type of boots a pirate would wear. Uh, look at yarn. Coarse blue yarn. Look at match. You can tell it's waterproof just by looking, being something of a match expert. Hey. 
that's a reference to the entire premise of this series. Indeed. Kind of a gross joke, actually. Oh, really? I just like this. It's too winky. There's supposed to be a tone. Strike match? Let's strike a match. Strike another match, girl. Start anew. And it's all over now, baby blue. That's not a <laughs> verb I recognize. Light match. You strike the match against a convenient surface, and the flame springs to life at the sulfured end. Look at flame. Okay. The flame is burning brightly, lending a warm glow to your dire surroundings. But you focus all your attention on that glow until the universe of the terrible dogfish fades away and you're in the middle of... Gray background. The Ocean of Storms. Now, I feel like I'm going to lead you guys really fast through this part because it is not as good as what's coming up. Okay. I thought you were going to say because we've been recording for two hours already. (laughs) Yeah, we've been recording for almost two hours already. And I want to get to the good stuff. All right. Uh, So I'm going... Surface, rough hills of gray dust roll toward the black sky. Look at sky. The sky is black. You can't see any stars except the sun. Look at sun. You can't look directly at the sun. It hurts your eyes. So problem found. Time passes. Something is coming closer. It's some kind of vehicle on wheels with two people driving it. It's heading right for you. And now you can see it's a skeletal sort of buggy with rubber wheels. The two riders are wearing shiny space helmets. As they come up alongside you, they stop to a wa- they slow to a stop and wave politely. Pardon us, little girl, says one. We were hoping you could render us a little assistance. We're lost, is what my friend is trying to say, says the other. I'm Commander Pete, says the first, and my insubordinate subordinate here is Alan. My name is Ebenezer, you say, with a small curtsy. Alan gives you a little salute in return. So this is uh, like the Apollo 12 mission, but they have the lunar rover, which is anachronistic, but fun for me. Um, It's anachronistic on purpose. Enter rover. Um, We're going to go. So like this is a puzzle where you drive across the surface of the moon trying to uh, find the uh, some something they dropped on the moon talk to pete um when you talk to him he says which way the thing is and while you're driving around they're talking about how um you need to find something that's on fire commander pete says well too bad there's no oxygen here oh no um Alan says the sun is on fire. Commander Pete says incorrect. It's made out of plasma, a different state of matter. <laughs> Alan says could be close enough. You say could be close enough. Um, but you're not but you can't look at the, the sun, sun because you don't have a helmet. Uh, these visors are gold plated to keep us keep out the really unbearable stuff, as in like UV radiation or infrared yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Pretty expensive pair of fishbowls. Um, you ask if you could try one of them on for a moment. They say, I don't think that'd be a good idea. We die. Oh. Um, <laughs> North. Okay, we oh, found gosh. a thing. Um, a thing is sitting in the dust. There she is, cries Commander Pete. He jumps off the rover and bounces over to the object. Alan takes a moment to thank you before for your help before joining him. Is that the probe, you ask? 
Sure thing. Sure is, young lady. Landed here two years before we did. So much research went into this. And then I'm like, well, but they're also going to have the rover that was invented years later. <laughs> Hold that for me, will you? Um, we're going to strip it for parts, Alan explains. That's a negatory pilot. We're collecting valuable scientific data for king and country. I thought it was on behalf of the whole human race, Pete shrugs. They take a few minutes doing whatever they're doing. Then he claps the dust from his gloves. Um... And he asks you to drive them back to the lander. Uh, it turns out this moon stuff is a lot easier with a third pair of hands. So we go northwest. Go northwest. I remember that the rover is northwest from here. Uh, there's a giant metal spider here. Oh. Uh, does that belong to you two, you ask? You could say that, says Alan. That's the lunar module. Her name's Intrepid on account of she fills us up with trepidation. It's perfectly safe, says Commander Pete. Well, Alan says, we better be off. Thanks for all your help, Miss Ebenezer. Yes, thank you. We couldn't have pulled it off without you, the commander says. That's not an exaggeration, Alan adds in a mock whisper. They salute you and enter the module. Then Alan climbs out, bounding slowly over the dust, carrying something in his hands. Look what I found. Turns out we had an extra lying around. This ought to help you. He hands you a space helmet like the one he's wearing. Hey. Then he gets back in the module. Then it takes off. And now you're alone on the moon. What a fun vignette. All right. Much more fun to hear described than to play. I mean, the other way around, of course. <laughs> Let's put on a visor and stare at the sun. Yes. You drop the helmet over your head. It's way too big for you. You look ridiculous. <laughs> look at sun. You look up at the sun, a sphere of white fire. You stare into it. You let it fill your mind. No, it's too intense. You have to stop or you'll faint. But you stop yourself from fainting. You steady yourself. You are in. Background is bluish. An office. Oh. Let's see what we're working with. Okay. The room is pretty dim. The only light is from outside. There's a lot of stuff in here. Shelves, desk, display case. How about this? We'll divide it into four walls. North, east, south, west, and the floor. Okay. Uh, check out the north wall. I'm going to do the fast version of this. All right, do the fast Listeners, version Listeners, please play this yourself and find <laughs> out about all the cool stuff. On tall bookcases on the north wall, there are five shelves. The first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Oh my gosh, we're never going to finish this. Look <laughs> at first shelf. Uh, there's a rosewood box. That's important. There's nothing on the second shelf. There's a green vase and a short note on the third shelf x note uh, the note says it's a piece of pink paper which reads at least two consonants are side by side okay. the fourth shelf has a typewritten poem on it and the fifth shelf has a laminated notice we'll All read right. the notice first yeah the laminated notice reads, The Minnesota Escape Room Fairness Act, or MRFA, <laughs> requires all in-person interactive puzzle entertainment attractions to provide a complete list of red herrings within items within the attraction that do not bear useful puzzle-solving information or contain information-bearing <laughs> materials. Patrons of this attraction are advised that they may safely ignore the following items. Green vase. Mysterious 14-sided die. Angel statuette. Jar of almonds. I wish this was a regulation that existed. No, 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 no. I escape rooms can be bad at putting in too many red herrings, mm -hmm. but if they if there are no red herrings, if every single thing actually 
works or sure. they tell you to ignore it, then the escape room becomes linear. So I it's guess... a matter of not abusing red herrings. I mean, we don't have time to get into my opinions about how you could still have nonlinearity without having red herrings. Um, I'm also cranky because the last time I went to an escape room, there, or actually the penultimate time I went to an escape room, there was there were a bunch of clues on the ceiling that were like very clearly clues for something. It was like a bunch of classical paintings and a bunch of Roman numerals, like oh, cool. on the ceiling. And we never used them in the escape room. And we got out and, and asked the attendant. And they what? were like, oh, yeah, we're going to be adding a part two of this escape room. And that is for well, that. And I have never <laughs> been more you. angry in my life. The other time that when Jenny and I got to do an escape room together, oh, there was, was another also... case where there was like oh. obvious clue uh-huh. right here. Uh-huh. That afterward, the guy had told us, oh, yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. So, Jenny, I share your feelings as well. But (laughs) I I think that this type of law would be a bad law to have. I'm willing willing to cave on that being a bad law that I don't actually want implemented. Anyway, let's read the typewritten poem. Let's read the typewritten poem. The poem Ugabolis by Clark Ashton Smith is typed out here. In Billow Lost Poseidonus, I was the god Ogabalus. My three horns were of similor above my double diadem. My one eye was a moon-wan gem found in a monstrous meteor. Incredible far peoples came, called by the thunders of my fame, and fleetly passed my terrace throne, where titan pards and lions stood as pours a never-lapsing flood before the wind of winter blown. Before me, many a chorister made offering of alien myrrh, and copper-bearded sailors brought from isles of ever-forming seas enormous lumps of ambergris and corals intricately wrought. The rest of the poem is on the back of the page. This is... I'm not really sure why I had to do this. It was like, it wouldn't display correctly if I made it all one thing, because I'm using a special font. I don't know. Read back of page. I only understood you as far as wanting to read the back of the page. Give uh, me a break. That's, that is literally what we wanted to do. This is some trash. <laughs> below my glooming architraves. <laughs> below my glooming architraves, one brown eternal file of slaves came in from mines of Chalcedon, and camels from the long plateau laid down their sard and peridots. Oh, I guess that was supposed to say plateaus their incense and their cinnamon but now within my sunken walls the slow blind ocean serpent crawls and sea worms are my ministers and wondering fishes pass me now or press before mine eyeless brow as once the thronging worshippers okay um so this is an escape room yes we're not going to solve an escape room on the podcast, no. right? Yeah, maybe we leave that as an exercise for the uh, the listeners. And also, I'd, I'd be down to come back and, and do this textually. This sounds like a fun, fun yeah. thing to do in a video game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do we want to stop there? Uh, how, do you, how do you feeling, Nils? Whichever. Or Ryan can fast forward to... I feel like I know how to fast forward through this. Right, and that might be right. more satisfying for the listener. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't set this up as we're going to play up to like the second to last or penultimate part of this game. Right, right. And 
Yeah, so let me yeah, see yeah. if I know what to do. Uh, X window, LED billboard. You guys talk. Say some stuff. Okay. Um, let's see. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at having opinions when I'm not okay. supposed to be having opinions. Take all from box. Let's see. Uh, Rosewood box. Okay, close box. You have anything good uh, for dinner? The Rosewood box. Uh, yesterday at the lamb, which was oh, nice. Yeah, cool. that sounds great. I uh, followed a recipe on how to make shredded chicken. Oh. Made some, some really flavorful burrito bowls. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Discovered that the, the hack for flavorful anything is you just get a can Spices. of chipotles in adobo yeah i mean that yes definitely <laughs> <laughs> but yeah get a can of chipotles in adobo throw in like two or three chipotles into anything and you got a sauce going baby okay i put the triceratops coin into the mechanism perfect uh I do love a Keep dinosaur. talking. Keep I, talking. I love a dinosaur oh. <laughs> coin from a uh, museum or anywhere or a zoo. The squashed penny things. Yeah, the squashed penny things. Yeah. Now I have the mastodon coin. Nice. For whatever okay. reason, the zoo we went to when I was a kid had a dinosaur offering. Which I never understood because that zoo very much did not have dinosaurs. What kind of zoo doesn't have dinosaurs? <laughs> A modern zoo. The public museum that we went to very much had dinosaurs. And they had them arranged like uh, in situ. It was a, um, like, a, like, a, like a diorama of a t-rex uh just absolutely ripping the crap out of uh I got think the saber tree tiger coin these all sound like pretty good coins I'm excited for these coins these for our younger listeners these coins are secretly the morphin coins that the original mighty morphin oh. power rangers used nice um, nice And also for your older uh, co-host, never I was a little little old for the Power Rangers when they came out. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. You missed out on Rita Repulsa. I know. My sister really enjoyed the Power Rangers. She is your age, and today is her birthday. Happy birthday! She says thank you. Oh, wait. Uh, X painting uh, set. Uh, hey, I remembered the solution instead of doing all the work. Hey. Put Tyrannosaurus coin in mechanism. 
The door makes a dramatic chunk noise. Open door. Out. The hallway is dark. The hallway... Oh, sorry. The building is dark. The hallway leads north. North. There's another room on the east side of the hall. Lounge. A dark room with a big comfy chair, a coffee table, and not much else. A computer monitor gives the scene a pallid blue cast. Oh, Wow, like the background of the thing. There's a video feed on the monitor depicting the room you were just in. It's empty, of course. The door is open. Okay. Uh, Are we driving again? Um, you are driving. There's a big comfy chair, a coffee table, and a computer monitor that we just looked at. Okay, examine that coffee table. A low black table, essentially featureless, probably from Ikea. On the coffee table is a purse. Looking purse. You open the purse, revealing a cigarette lighter and some other less interesting stuff. That's literally what it says. I'm not <laughs> trying to read along. That's not Ryan editorializing. No, it's Ryan being a good writer. Okay. Well, we want that cigarette lighter. Yes, take lighter. Light lighter. Taken. Light lighter. You switch on the lighter and the little f- yellow flame appears on top. Hey, look stare at flame. <laughs> you stare at the fire. You extend your will into the cosmos. Somewhere out there is the place you're looking for. You're very close now. You are in green background the woods the woods mist slinks like a withered viper between the trees your destination is north deeper in the woods what's our inventory say you are carrying an incredibly detailed painting from the escape room a sheep figurine a goat figurine a cow figurine a cat figurine from the escape room a space helmet being worn, a ball of yarn, a pair of leather boots, a crowbar, an oilskin journal, a dress being worn, a revolver. So we're carrying all our stuff except for the lighter, which would be... Right? The useful fit. Oh, some of this other stuff might come in handy. <laughs> uh, what was in the room? <laughs> Mist slinking like a withered viper between the trees, and your destination is north, deeper in the woods. Let's go right, north. Let's then. go there, yeah. Animal bones stick out of the mud, just a little farther. Okay. Gee. Brambles grope against your arms and cheeks. There's a hovel up ahead. Oh, man. Gee. <laughs> hovel. A bony old man leans over a crib <gasps> built from twigs. Examine man. He is ancient and loathsome. Uh-huh. His hair lies in a few wisps over his head. His he- face is furrowed with a thousand wrinkles. He looks back at you and sneers. His teeth are yellow stumps. Huh. Those birds that were before. right. Yeah, we really did recognize this guy when we saw him. Good job, birds. <laughs> Do we have Thanks, a counter? Birds. Do we hear his villain speech or should we just shoot him? <laughs> I guess ask man about birds. Bird. No, talk to man. Use talk to. Time's okay. up, you tell him. He waves the notion away. A yellow fingernail grazes your nose. 
No, no, not for me. I have all the time in the world. He glances back at the crib. The child inside is smooth and perfect. You still have a chance to go quietly, you tell him. The others all did. Ha! A wad of hot mucus lands on your cheek. How many of my kind have you met? You take a steady breath. Eighteen, I think. He throws his head back and chortles. Eighteen years! Still a little girl. Still stupid in the ways of the world. I am hardly the first to take my fate in my own hands. But I will be the last. I'll... <coughs> he starts wheezing, then heaving. So is this 2020? No, this is 1846. Ah. Oh. Huh. So it's not best uh. of 2020. Should we just shoot him? or? Uh, I, I can't immediately think of anything else to do. Ebenezabeth never wants to shoot anybody. <sighs> I know. She wishes dearly that she'd never had to kill any of these people that she has to kill. She has to kill them. It's very important for reasons. Is there any other way of getting out of this situation? Can we take the baby? Without killing 1846. Take baby. The old man shoves you violently aside, sets his bony frame between you and the crib. I won't let you, his voice creaks. I won't let anybody stop me. He reaches out to throttle you. You back off. He won't come any closer. He won't leave the side of that crib. Can we trick him away from the crib somehow? I can't think of anything that he wants other than to uh, get reincarnated as his baby or whatever it is that happens. You know, I went to a party one time where a bunch of people were doing like a like a drag stage performance of the the new year this sounds familiar did you tell me about this before i told you it really made an impression on me just somebody going where are all my babies (laughs) i don't remember that part (laughs) this might be a drag show that has been done more than once it might have been someone else it might have been uh i do not have any good ideas about this situation do you have some blue yarn for no reason? We do have blue yarn for no reason. That's right. Oh, we do have blue yarn for no reason. What can we do with blue yarn for no reason? Show yarn to... Show yarn <laughs> to man. The ball of... Oh, this is fun. The ball of yarn is of no concern to the old year. So that's his okay. printed name is the old the year. The old year. Nice, nice. Uh... What else do we have? You have an incredibly detailed painting. A sheep figurine, a goat figurine, a cow figurine, a cat figurine, a space helmet being worn, a ball of yarn, a pair of leather boots not being worn, a crowbar, an oilskin journal, a dress being worn, a revolver. Should we wear the boots? Wear boots. You pull on the boots. (laughs) They fit pretty well, actually. Nice. Nice. (laughs) That's what I said. I don't see how any of that is useful unless we just whack him over the side of the head with the crowbar, which is um, we might as well shoot him. Feels yeah. Yeah. What about point gun at? Point gun at. Thank you, because I always implement point gun at, and nobody does it. You level your revolver at him. He smacks his lips. I'm not afraid of you, he says. I've seen things that would make you. His scrawny body convulses and his throat rasps like he might vomit, but he controls himself. I'm not afraid of you, 
he wheezes. Okay. And so when we do try to shoot it, oh, do you want to shoot Shoot man. Or uh, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, I've done this in later games. I'm not sure if it's implemented here. That when you point gun at, that sets the target of the gun, and that way you can just type shoot on the next turn, yeah. and it knows who you mean. This game might not be at that level. Yeah, okay. shoot. What do you want to shoot? <laughs> Pull trigger. Pull trigger. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that'll work. You can't see that. There's no trigger. It's not like Taco Fiction where I implemented every part of the gun. Yeah. That gun was really important to that guy in Taco Fiction. This gun is very important to That's true. Ebenezer with Scrooge. It was a a gift from Samuel Colt. It's a special engraved gun. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot man. (gasps) You fire into his chest. The explosion shakes the walls. The old year's throat makes a sound like a bubble popping. He falls to the floor. Black blood oozes over the soil. You peer into the crib. The baby's still asleep. Well, let's take the baby. Take baby. You take the baby into your arms. Rock baby. Rock baby. I don't. That's not a verb I recognize. <laughs> I think hug works. Hug baby. Let's see. Baby. You squeeze it gently. Aww. Can you kiss baby? You give it a gentle peck on the forehead. Aww. Nothing to do now but wake up. Okay. Wake up. <laughs> wake up. Wake up. Good good job. Good players. Do what you're told. <laughs> you wake up and you're back in the lounge of the escape room. Huh. Just wake up again okay. and again okay. and again. Yeah. You wake up and you're on the surface of the moon. Right. You wake up and you're in the stomach of the horrible dogfish or the terrible right. dogfish. Okay. Uh, Geppetto and Pinocchio are gone. Oh, good. I hope they say hi. You wake up and you're in Celevice in front of the dinosaur monument. Uh, The cyber skull is gone. Oh, oh no. I wanted to tell him how we were doing, but okay. Uh, You wake up and you're at the Temple of Hera. The Vestal Virgins are gone. They're not really called Vestal Virgins at the torch lighting ceremony, Uh uh but that's what they were calling them in this one TV broadcast of it. And I'm like, why? Yeah, why, why Why are you calling them Vestal yeah. Virgins? But then I was like, well, I'm going to do that in the game because that's fun. That is fun. You wake up, you blink, and the world seems to melt before your eyes. Physicality fluctuates and spasms in the space between spaces. The little girl is trying to hold herself together, trying to hold on to the baby. The background is purple for a second. And as she came to her senses, the cold of New Year's Eve crept back into her limbs. The little girl stood in her bedroom. Her birthday cake was on a plate on her bedside table. Its candle, now extinguished, lay nearby. Her little brown cat was curled up on the bed, sleeping peacefully. From somewhere else in the house, she could hear Papa's snoring. She was awfully tired after her long errands, but before she could could go to sleep herself, she had to conclude her business on the roof. Presently, the cat awakened, though the little girl had not made a sound, and leapt down from the bed to greet its mistress. Can we have the cake now? (laughs) Pet cat. She gave the cat a few little pets, gentle pets and scritches. This is the same response. Oh, man. The animal produced a noise that the little girl knew to mean, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. What a waste of time. Yeah, let's eat that cake. Eat cake. Ebenezer knew better than to eat any sweets so late at night, but she permitted herself to taste a bit of frosting from the tip of her little finger. Man, it's our birthday and we just did an assassination. <laughs> yeah. No, she's really got like a 
self-persecution complex or something. Ebenezabeths can have little a cake as a treat. <laughs> uh, fine. Let's go up to the roof then. Yeah. Guess. A blanket of snow lay over the roof and along the parapet where a group of sparrows perched, shivering impatiently. Blah, blah, blah. The sparrows began chirping wildly in anticipation as they noticed Ebenezer's arrival until their leader, the sparrow with the white pole, shushed them. Is it done? The sparrow's eyes bulged like an owl's. Is the old man dead? Ebenezer nodded. The younger sparrows all shrieked for joy at this, but the eldest remained serious. And the child? I have brought the baby with me, said Ebenezer, revealing the infant and eliciting from the younger sparrows an even greater outpouring of emotion. Their leader, in turn, issued a shrill whistle, which the little girl took at first as an admonition to the other sparrows to cease their jubilations. The bird with the white pole went on whistling even after the other sparrows had quieted, though, and soon it became clear to Ebenezer that it was some sort of signal. In another moment, it was clear for whom the signal was intended, for from out of the cloudy sky descended the massive bird of dazzling white plumage. It was the stork himself, and he alighted on the parapet to join the sparrows. They looked quite small indeed, perched next to such a creature. The little girl girl recovered quickly from her shock and bowed deeply. It's an honor to meet you, Mr. Stork, she said. That has been retconned by when she met him in How the Little Match Girl Met the Queen of Vampires. So... (laughs) And also the stork, but that didn't make it into the title. (laughs) That's right. A lot of stuff didn't make it into the title of that game. The great bird nodded in acknowledgement. Thank you, Ebenezer Scrooge, for rescuing the new year. There are some who feared that 1846 would go on forever, but most of us had faith in your success. I am happy to have helped, said Ebenezer, presenting this baby to the stork. If ever I can assist you again, you must not delay in asking. The stork nodded again and accepted the swaddled parcel into its great beak. Then he spread his wings, what a sight, and landed, launched himself into the clouds to bear this infant to its appointed place. We will depart now too, declared the sparrow with the white pole, and the sparrows all flew off together, leaving the little girl and her little cat alone on the roof. Does she have to do this every year? She only has to kill the old years in those years when the the year refuses to do its job and uh, give up the ghost for the new year. Peaceful transition of power. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And Ebenezer has only been Ebenezer with time travel powers since last December 31st. Oh, right, right, So right. this would be the first time. But I hope okay. she doesn't have to do this every year. It sounds exhausting. It really does. The listeners know how exhausting this is. This podcast is two and a half hours long. (laughs) Hopefully there's going to be some editing. A little bit. (laughs) As a treat. Uh, We'll go down. Um, She felt as if she couldn't stay awake another second. Let's go to bed. Go to bed. The little girl climbed into bed. Her cat jumped out, out, jumped up after her, finding its usual spot nestled against her breast. A great sonorous knell sounded far away, the church bell tolling the hour. Midnight had come at last. The little girl counted along in a soft voice. Two, three, four, five. But then she fell fast asleep. The credits are about to come up. Right. And I'm going to try and actually read the credits, All but right. it's going to be tough. Okay. 
The Little Match Girl 2, Anna Severtens. Written and directed by Hans Christian Andersen. Programmed by Ryan Veter. Inform 7 by the Inform 7 team. Vorpal by the Vorpal team. Editor Emily Bogheim, production designer Jenny Polana, other editor Rich Chang, director of photography Carolyn Finesseltine, casting Carl Muckenhub, lurker Derek Sotek, whisperer Matthew Zimmerman, carpentry Doug Orleans, special thanks Emily Short, very special thanks Jacques Fresse, specialist thanks Michael Ziegler, thanks specialist Janice M. Eisen, supporting cast uh, Cat Manning, scenery Sammy Albarari, listener Janelle Marie, butcher, uh, surfer, Freelance daydreamer Alan Tan, special effects Kenneth Hahn, very special effects Ivan R, normal effects Sarah Nebrosa, Fred Lomler Yerick, the, the, the dancers, influencer, butler, second assistant, auditor, Grant Veter, Eels, Harrison Gerard, Mrs. Scrooge Wardrobe by Michael Knowles, character generator, Jordan Ish, best person electric, animal wrangler, Sarah Wilson, mineral wrangler, uh, Q Fever, fun police, Jason Farrell, teardown, John Lean, pizza coordinator, Joshua Grams, and don't forget, Julia Ramsey, Ebenezer Scrooge will return in The Little Match Girl 3, The Escalist Manifold. Hey. The end. Copyright HCA MDCCCXLVII. <sighs> I missed a lot of stuff. It was going by really fast. <laughs> Thanks for playing my game, you guys. Thanks for playing at That's us your game. Yeah. <laughs> the end yay thank you listeners for listening to a game oh, right i forgot to think what why were why did you let me sit there in dead air for so long when i, I clearly had forgotten to thank the listeners i i, I don't know it's being are you trying to sabotage me yes i've been playing the long game <laughs> <laughs> you sure have been playing a long game mm-hmm. but now it's over and now the listeners too can finally Go to sleep. Good night. Oh, thanks, Niels, too. Yeah, thanks, Niels. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 